Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home an auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all stages or situations. Okay, here we go. Now put it in reverse. Got it. Now forward. Okay. Reverse. Now turn the wheel. Alright. Turn the wheel! No! Reverse! Left reverse! Right. Slow the out! Go kill it! Kill it! Kill the owner! There's a reason they say curse like a sailor. I said reverse! Many reasons. Progressive's boat insurance has you covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Well, we're docked now. Welcome to the NBA Front Office Show. We are part of the Almighty Baller Podcast Network. I'm your host, Keith Smith. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Pete Toll. Pete, how are you this evening? I'm doing great, Keith. Hope you're doing well. I'm doing great, thanks. And we are also joined by our producer, Connor Elkon. How are you? I'm doing great, Keith. Excited for the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what we're here to talk about. So we're going to take a break from our normal transactions and roster building and all that. We will get back to our free agent previews after we do this. But but it's playoff time. It's finally here. Uh, it's funny. I saw a couple of tweets going around the timeline today of uh, guys saying, hey, it's great. The season's finally started, which I you know, thought was a little funny. But it's uh, it's finally here. You know, it took, uh, took five extra minutes to decide – the final playoff team in the Western Conference as the Minnesota Timberwolves beat the Denver Nuggets to clinch that last playoff spot. But we will get to Minnesota in short order. What we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and preview each series. We're going to give a couple thoughts um, on the series from each of us, and then we're going to give a prediction on who we think wins, and then we'll give predictions on the conference finals and ultimately who we think wins the NBA championship this season. So that's what you can look forward to here, and we will get through each series. We're Hopefully going to go about an hour or so tonight, but who knows, we might go a little bit longer. It all depends on that. This is not going to be like our uh, super in-depth talking about a 10-day contract guy for five minutes. This is going to be more of us giving our general thoughts on a uh, NBA playoff series. So if it's not for you, that's fine. We understand. Just, uh, you know, we, we already got your download anyway, so thanks for that. And hang in there with us, and we'll get back to our normal stuff on our next episode. So with that said, let's kick it off. We're going to start it with the Toronto Raptors, who are the number one seed, 59 wins in the regular season, best record in their franchise history and they won the Eastern Conference by a full four games over the second place Boston Celtics. They are taking on the Washington Wizards in the first round. The Wizards who really missed out on a chance to move up seed-wise and blew a game in Orlando uh, for on the final night of the season that could have moved them up from the eighth seed, but they are going to play play Toronto. That's a rematch of a series from a couple years ago. Paul, Paul Pierce called game, right? I believe is what he said yeah. on that one. So, so that's a uh, yeah, you know, a little bit of a rematch. Wizards forty three and thirty nine. Con, what was the Toronto Washington record against each other this year? Uh, they were actually two and two. Uh, Toronto had a one hundred eight point seven offensive rating and one hundred six point seven defensive rating and a plus two net rating for the season series. And those ratings are flipped uh, for Washington, obviously. 
So yeah, it's it's pretty even, and I think it's going to be a close one like it was a couple years back. Yeah, so that one's interesting because Washington, and that's right around where they were for the season in terms of uh, points and, and uh, points allowed, and then the Raptors just a, a bit under uh, what they normally score. The Raptors were one of the better offenses in the league. Right? I think they finished top three, if I remember correctly, on the year. I know they're they're up there shortly behind Houston and Golden State, who are obviously are at the top of the, the NBA um, and, in offensive rating. So so that's where it is. So what we're going to do is we're going to start off, and Con, I'm going to go to you with the first question of the preview here, and that is, who is the key player for the Toronto Raptors in this series? Well, I think it all comes down to whether or not DeRozan and Lowry are going to step up in the playoffs to start off the playoffs and not lose their first game, struggle out the gate, and kind of have a game on, game off, or take turns having good and bad games. I think it's just, all right, this is the season that Toronto kind of has brought it all together, and they need to make sure um, that they step their games up. Because, yeah, the, the depth is great. Their bench has been the best bench in the league, basically, for the entire year, but in the playoffs, play uh, rotations shorten, the and the, the the stars need to go to work. So um, I think it's gonna really be them too. But in terms of like a, I'll I'll let Pete take the maybe take another guy. I was gonna talk about Ibaka a bit, but I don't want to take everyone away from you guys. No, 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 that, and that's that's fair. And I think you know it really is DeRozan and Lowry. I'm with you on that one. I think they're one and one A in my opinion, and, and it's exactly what you, I think you were leading to there is they've got to prove it. They can have as good a regular seasons as they have, but I don't think anyone's going to really care if they fall short again in the postseason. Pete, do you have somebody else who stands out for the Raptors, or is it DeRozan and Lowry for you as well? Uh, for me, it's got to be uh, Jonas Valanciunas. Okay. Because, right. um, you know, I feel like there's games where he can dominate with a you know solid double-double, say, you know, 18 and 10. And then there's games where Toronto won't even look for him, and he ends up with a you know twelve and six. And if you get a dominating uh, Jonas Valanciunas against you know an aging Marcin Gortat and kind of a limited front line of Washington, that could be a deciding factor if you know going down the stretch. Yeah, for sure. And the good thing is for Valanciunas is this is not a series where he's going to be played off the floor either, mm-hmm. because Washington primarily always has a traditional center on the floor in Gortat or, or Jan Mahinmi. So there, he, that allows him to stay on the floor where if they've drawn a couple of the other opponents, he there's definitely times when those teams go much smaller and can play him off the floor. So, all right, uh, Pete, I'm going to stay with you. Let's flip it over. What about on the Washington side? Who's the key player for the Wizards? Hands down, it's got to be John Wall because if you look at just the impact he's had since he came back um, from his uh, January knee surgery – He's put up, you know, basically, I think it's right at 50 assists, if I um, remember correctly. Um, And he ended the season, um, you know, with a 28 and 29, you know, points in those last two games. So with him getting back in shape, the ability to run in transition, um, obviously scoring for himself, but make highlight plays for others, that's going to be a huge, um, you know, thing for Toronto to stop, especially somebody like Kyle Lowry if, if he has to guard him. Um, you know, in transition. 
Yeah, no, I and uh, again, I'm, I'm with you on that one. I really liked what Scott Brooks did was brought him back, got his legs underneath him, but still rested him. Um, he only played about every other game down the stretch, and I think that's that's really important. All right, Con, what is the matchup you are most interested in in this series? Um, so first I wanted to say Toronto hasn't even played Washington with John Wall in the lineup. Um, so really? that, yeah, uh, cause I was just looking through the stats and John Wall doesn't appear on here. So <laughs> that's, that's kind of crazy. So yeah. And another thing, so the matchup coming to the matchup, I think it yeah. really comes down to the bench versus the bench in this series because the bench is Toronto's greatest strength. Um, and the Wizards' depth has been an issue for a while now. Um, although they have improved it this year, I still think it, it's pretty significant, the difference between them. And I think if the Wizards rely on their starting lineup of too much, they might get worn out. We saw that happen last year when they were playing the Celtics. It seemed like Bradley Beal and John Wall were just gassed by the end of that Game 7. Um, yeah, they were both dead on yeah. their feet at the end of that. That's when, in Wall, I think because he relies so much on his speed and quickness, when he is tired, that's when he starts he starts taking those lazy jump shots. He doesn't get back on defense, and really that, that negates his single biggest advantage over anybody else. So I'm, I'm with you. they got to do what they can to spot those guys some rest. Yeah, and with like I was saying earlier, with the playoff rotations tightening, it's really going to come down to how much does it tighten for Toronto, because I yeah. think their biggest strength is that it might not need to until maybe later rounds. Um, but I think in this round, for sure, it's going to help a lot uh, keeping those starters fresh against maybe a tired out Wizards team towards the end of the series. Yeah, for me, I'm going to go in a little bit of a different direction, I think, from where most will go. I'm really interested in Otto Porter versus OG Ananobi because I think Porter has to be close to a 20-point-per-game guy for the Wizards to win this series. If he isn't close to that, I don't know that they have enough offensive firepower to keep up with the Raptors. You mentioned the bench, Con, and I think that's Toronto's you know, that's their kind of ace in the hole. They come in and then not only do they maintain leads, but they extend leads on a regular basis. So I think that ends up causing a lot of problems for the other teams. And I think Washington needs to have their starters outplay the Raptors starters by a somewhat significant margin so that when the bench comes in, they've got a little bit of a buffer. So so that's my, my matchup. P, you got one that you're particularly looking forward to? I actually had a combo of, of both of yours. Um, a little bit different reason for Otto Porter because I'm looking at, is he going to be truly healthy yeah. and be able to, to help? Because at the um, end of the year, he kind of was hobbled a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I don't think with the Wizards bringing in a guy like Ty Lawson, um, you know, for the playoffs, I don't really know that that's going to help them in a really positive way to be able to rest John Wall. So I wonder really... Is Kelly Oubre going to be able to step up? Is Tomas Sadoransky going to be able to keep his, you know, solid play for the season up? And on Toronto's side, with that 8.3 net rating being the best in the league for the bench, I mean, I, that has to be the factor that kind of pushes it over the edge for Toronto. Yeah, so so I think you're 
so one thing too, I want to go back to if Ty Lawson plays any significant minutes in the series, things did not go well for the Wizards. <laughs> right. You know, there, there's no reason. Or things went extremely be, uh, well. So. Yeah. Or yeah. Exactly. Well, that's why I said significant minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If, he, if he's in there for more than a couple minutes a night, um, things either didn't go well or they they went. Yeah, like you said, really, really well. So, all right, Pete, I think you kind of gave, led into where I'm going. So my deciding factor in who wins this series, it's just the imbalance between the benches. And I think that's going to be the difference. I think Toronto, the fact that they can get their main guys aren't going to have to play 40 minutes a night for them to win games. I think that's going to make a huge difference in this series for me. So, Pete, I think you went there. Con, do you have anything different that you think decides who wins? And if you want to, go ahead and lead right into your prediction for the series. Yeah, um, I think I'll just go right into the predictions. I think I okay. said everything I need to say. Um, and, man, I I think I'm just going to go with uh, my gut here and, and, and pick Washington um, for this. Oh. Because I, I don't know. I know Toronto's been playing really well this season. They've been playing well for the past few seasons. I just, I think Washington has has just as much to prove as Toronto does. I mean, John Wall and Bradley Beal, um, they're both hungry for, for a conference finals appearance. I know Toronto is hungry to get a competitive conference finals appearance. Um, but I just think, I, I don't know. I, I feel like Washington, John Wall is going to come back with a vengeance. And I just don't trust Toronto as much. This might come back to haunt me, but picking Toronto is an easy pick anyway. So I just wanted to go with one kind of out of the, um, out of the norm pick here with, with Washington. And I think, I think it'll, it'll be in six. Cause if it goes to seven in Toronto, then Toronto's winning that. All right. Pete, what's your thought? Um, I've got Toronto, but I've got it as a four, uh, four to three, seven game series. Okay. Um, because I think that for me, I think that Bradley Beal kind of steps it up because I think that Otto Porter will, will struggle a little bit early on just because of, you know, trying to get back, you know, with his late season um, strain and um, Bradley Beal will kind of step into a more, a little bit more prominent role. And then once John Wall gets going, I think they could actually take the jump, you know, with a 2-1 lead, and then Toronto kind of leads the charge back, and then it ends up, you know, like I said, seven-game, you know, series with Toronto coming out on top. All right, so I'm going to have to play tiebreaker on this one then because you each want one Toronto one Washington. I'm going to go with the Raptors. We know it's at a minimum going five games because Toronto always loses game one in the series. (laughs) So so we know that's going to go five games. And I've been saying everywhere – uh, that'll listen they have um if they lose game one of this series you're going to be able to hear the the cries of panic from north of the border all the way south of the border um in the united states these guys are just you know you, you'd think they'd be used to it by now but it sets off you know collective panic for them so um I, i'm gonna go with toronto it's not that i think this is their year and we'll get into that a little bit later as we talk to playoffs but i think they're just enough better than washington i think they'll eventually wear them down i see it kind of going the way the wizard celtic series went where the the 
Wall and Beal are just dead by the end of it. And I think this Raptors team is better than that Celtics team was last year um, at this point in the season. And I think Washington's just slightly worse. So, you know, I, I think it'll be there. And that's kind of tough to swallow for the Wizards because there's not a lot of room for improvement with this group. They don't have a ton of young talent. They have no no real cap flexibility. They kind of are what they are. So, But that said, I think it does go um, – I think it's only going to go five games. I think Toronto's going to take take care of business um, pretty quick here. I do think they're going to actually get off the schneid and win a game one in the series and, and take it. Um, if they do, I will say this. So if they lose game one, it's going seven games. I, I will say that. That is my, my prediction. But I still would stick with the Raptors even in that point. All right. We're going to move on to the Western Conference. We're going to alternate conferences here and go back and forth. So let's talk Rockets and Timberwolves. Houston, the best team in the league this season, 65 and 17, the number one seed in the Western Conference. They have home court advantage all the way through the playoffs, inclusive of the NBA Finals, should they make it there. And they are playing against the Timberwolves, who we mentioned at the top of the show. They had to play their way into the playoff picture by defeating the Denver Nuggets in overtime on. Wednesday evening. So the Wolves are in there 47 and 35. First time in 13 years that the Timberwolves make the NBA playoffs. So congratulations to them for that. And we'll see. I, I have a feeling this day is going to be short here um, with that. But Com, what were what was the record? I, I know this one, but and it wasn't pretty. <laughs> this one's the most lopsided uh, matchup in the regular season, at least. Um, 4-0 for Houston with Houston po- posting a 129.8, so almost 130 offensive rating to a 112.4 defensive rating, so plus 17 and a half net rating against the Wolves, shooting 64.4 true shooting as a team against the Wolves. It's It's been kind of a bloodbath um, when, whenever they play each other in the regular season. Yeah, and I will say with this one too, it is uh it was somehow worse than those numbers even sound. I think when I watched these these games and I was going back and watching uh, selected clips of of when these teams matched up earlier today and one of the things I noticed is the Rockets just pick and rolled the the Wolves to death. I mean, they they do that to everybody, but to the Wolves they really just destroyed them with the mo- with, you know, arguably basketball's most simple action um set up there so the key player for me for i you know for houston it's i'm gonna go off the board and not say james harden and chris paul because i think we know what we're gonna get from those guys so i'm gonna go with clint capella if he can play carl anthony towns even to a somewhat of a standstill houston's not only gonna win because i think they'd win no matter what but they will roll over the 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 wolves i don't even know if the wolves will win a game if if that happens so pete key player for either squad actually um i'm gonna give uh my second choice because clint capella was my first choice but i'll give my second choice because i wasn't sure where you guys were gonna go because we didn't uh talk about it pre-show but i actually have james harden because of um the reason being is obviously he you know in in most people's eyes is going to be the mvp this season based on his horrible ending to last season in the playoffs against the spurs that disaster of a game he has to play like the MVP and lead this team forward. Um, I don't think it's going to be difficult against the Timberwolves, but at the same time, you know, I'm not going to say that Carl Anthony Towns isn't going to give a fight. Now, whether the rest of the team, you know, brings it as well, we'll, you know, we'll see. And, and no knock on Jimmy Butler because I like Jimmy Butler. I just don't know how well he's, you know, recovered from, from injury. 
No, that's fair. Um, one thing I will say with James Harden, too, is this is where the addition of Chris Paul is going to pay off. Because Harden was completely exhausted by the end of that that series last year, and I mean, and he did everything for that Rockets team. The fact that you can see there's plays now where he can steal what I like to call in-game rest, where he can throw it to Chris Paul and let Paul, you know, run the plays uh, for at least a couple trips here and there. It, it's going to make all the difference for for James Harden to stay rested and ready to go. Con, do you have a key guy? What about somebody from the Minnesota side? If they're going to make any noise, who's who's going to have to be the guy for the Wolves? Yeah, I think it, I mean, it's it's obvious, but it's Towns, and the reason is because I think they just have too many guys that they can throw at Jimmy Butler, um, and he's coming off that injury uh, with with his knee, and I mean, I think he'll be fine. Um, I just think that when you're getting tossed, P.J. Tucker and Bob Mute, um, and Ariza, just everyone kind of taking turns on him, uh, it's, it's going to be tough for him to make a... St- bigger impact and on the other hand there's no one like i don't think capella can really guard towns one-on-one um and i don't think anyone else can either on the rockets so especially if they get a switch in the post that's one thing that towns is like i'll get to my prediction in a minute but i think that the wolves will just win a game based on towns just overpowering uh in the post plus jimmy butler doing his thing as well um i did want to uh, give you the capella stats in the season series though 18.8 points 10 rebounds on 79 percent shooting (laughs) so uh yeah he's like seven and a half field goals made and like nine attempted per game against them because like you said pick and roll it's just crazy um and Last night, we saw Jamal Murray cooking Taj Gibson on any switch, and Harden and Chris Ball are just levels ahead of that. Um, so it's it's just going to be tough for, for the Wolves to contain the PNR, the pick-and-roll and the uh, ISO game. Yeah, I love Carl Anthony Towns, but it's starting to get to the point where I feel like I could score on him <laughs> um, in, the, in the post. Like, he's yeah. just he, – and there's no – this is where now I'm getting frustrated with it because there's no reason he should be that bad of a defender. Like, he has all the physical ability to be a really good, solid defensive player, and he's just not. And that's really, really frustrating. And I think, you know, I, I, it it just shocks me that we're two years into this and Tom Thibodeau hasn't been able to get these guys to play defense the way he, he wants them to. Right? Like, that's just, you know, really – Yes, it's it's kind of mind-boggling to that. Um, rather than going to the matchups, unless one of you guys you guys have something great, I want to ask, um, Con, I'm going to go to you first. Who guards? Who's the primary defender on Harden? Do you go with Jimmy Butler on him, or do you put Andrew Wiggins on him? Um, I think they got to go Butler. I mean, Butler's Butler matches up against Harden. Uh, better than almost anyone in the league but like even back to his Chicago days I remember always like Butler would lock down Harden and Harden was the only one on the on the Rockets um there was no Chris Paul to kind of give it away but it's Harden does not play very well like when Butler's guarding but the thing is this is a different Rockets team um there's just so many so much more space so many more options and chris paul's right there so i don't know if that's going to be a huge factor this time around i just have seen butler lock up Harden a lot (laughs) in my day so yeah you know and the wolves they don't like to switch stuff but they're gonna have to dude you you can't 
play any other way against these guys. So that's, you know, it's kind of a, it's, it's tough because whoever starts on Harden, that's not going to be the guy who finishes plays. I almost wonder if you start to do, we saw Denver do this a little bit last night, where they started pre-switching some of the plays so that they could end up with um, more favorable matchups against the Wolves. Now it was a slightly different way they did it. Um, but I wonder if that's something Minnesota could consider doing against the Rockets because I, I, even if you put Butler or Wiggins on, say, Capella, I don't think they're going to throw it to him in the post and just try to let him go to work. He's not that kind of guy. So I wonder if that might be a strategy we see. But but that might be a little too creative because Thibodeau tends to play, play it straight up, play the way he you know has always played it, and go. And I'm just you know I'm not sure that's going to work. Um, Pete, I'm going to go to you. What's the deciding factor in who wins this series? I think the biggest deciding factor for me is that the Wolves have the second worst defensive field goal percentage, and then you have the Rockets who are just going to annihilate them from you know the three point line because when they in their four matchups that they played the Rockets had 69 three-pointers and the Timberwolves only made 34 and I had kind of a 1b are we going to see anything out of Andrew Wiggins that was the the other question I had as far as you know a deciding factor at least on the on the Wolves side if he plays to the potential that Andrew Wiggins could play then they could at least maybe you know steal a couple games but I don't know too inconsistent for me yeah, no, I'm in the same boat, and I think I, I'll i just go right into my prediction. I'm going to go with the Rockets in a sweep. I generally don't like to pick sweeps, but I just think they're just going to roll. Um, I think, yeah, and I think they're so dialed in that they know what they're doing. Now, I, I, I can see the scenario that, that you laid out, Con, where Towns goes crazy and wins a game for the Wolves, and maybe it's, maybe it's one of those – the Rockets are up 3-0 and they just, you know, kind of throw away game four because they don't care. But I think they are going to prioritize let's let's get rested, especially after the way the last postseason ended. So so Pete and I are both going Rockets in four. Con, what's your pick? Yeah, I'm going Rockets in five. I, I respect Jimmy Butler too much. Um, still that Chi-Town uh, kind of love for him there. But And Towns is crazy as well. I think he's going to have a monster game. But it's it's... The Rockets are too good, and the matchup. I like. I wish the Wolves got the Warriors because I think it would have been a little bit more fun of a matchup, just because Draymond can't handle Towns. Um, but yeah, the Rockets are the Wolves' kryptonite, kind of. Yeah, and it's it's funny you say that. If if, if you don't know, and you you listen to the show, Con's a Bulls guy, so I think every Bulls fan is on the Wolves bandwagon. Definitely hard, hard for this hard postseason. Goal. So yesterday, yesterday <laughs> so my heart was beating watching the Nuggets game. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, man. You know, it's funny. I can um, I I. I have to be at least somewhat invested in, in in a lot of sports. Basketball is the one where I can turn it off, but any other sport, like I turn, I have to find a reason to root. <laughs> and so I'm with you, man. I know what you're saying with that one. All right, we're going to jump back over to the East Con- the Eastern Conference in the number two seed versus the number seven seed. Number two seed Boston Celtics, 55 and 27, despite playing a NBA G League roster for uh, most of the last quarter of the season. They finished in the number two seed and then the Milwaukee Bucks who went out with uh, whatever the opposite of a bang is against Pete Sixers in the final game of the season what a 
crap fest that was. Philly just stomped on them early and kept them down. The Bucks finished 44 and 38 and go into the number seven seed. Uh, I know the numbers on this one again because I previewed this series for Celtics blog. But uh, Con, what are the numbers Celtics and Bucks head to head this season? Yeah, so they went two and two. Uh, Boston had a 103.8 offensive rating, 104.4 defensive rating. So negative 0.6 so fairly even series uh between the two but obviously uh Kyrie and them played for for some of the games against the Bucks I actually am not sure how many of them Kyrie was in though do you do you know Keith uh he was in there for three Three, of the games okay okay yeah, yeah, he, he, yeah. Then that's gonna be the the tough thing. I'm gonna, sorry, I'm pulling up a file here, so a little inside baseball. Um, but it was uh, that's gonna be the, the probably the hardest thing for the uh, for the Celtics is that Kyrie was in there, um, for that for at least that one um one game or three games rather, and that was where he you know really made it made a difference, and now. They, they obviously don't have him, so that that's going to be be really tough on the the Celtics. I'm just double checking that to make sure. Yeah, three games, 24.3 points per game for Kyrie, 40% from three, and uh, just under four rebounds, four assists, uh, two and a half steals a game as well. So he played great um, in the regular season, but he's not going to be there. Hey, I want to give a little love to Kyrie though. Did you guys know he just missed a 50-40-90 season this year? Um, by like a percentage on each each one of them, so you know, great great for him. You know, best wishes to him to get healthy and get back um, with that. So, all right, Pete, let's mm-hmm. uh, lead it off with you. Who is the key player for the Boston Celtics if they're going to win this series? For me, it's got to be Jalen Brown. Um, okay. The, the reason being is because um, even though he hasn't necessarily established the consistency on the offensive end. He also, in his last nine games, has averaged 17.2 points while shooting 49% uh, from the floor and 57% from the three-point line. They could really use his um, you know, scoring. Obviously, his defensive prowess and athleticism are, are key as well. But I think him taking that leap forward is going to be um, huge for their success um, against the Bucks because they, they've kind of struggled down the stretch. Con, you got anybody different for the Celtics? Um, for the Celtics, I think I was going to say Tatum because okay. it's going to, it's really going to kind of see, we're going to be able to see if he has what it takes to do what he's been doing in the regular season in the, in the playoffs. I mean, he's even been ball handling and bringing the ball up the, the court being the primary scorer for the Celtics. Um, but it's, it's just tough for the, for the Celtics because, Kyrie's out, Hayward's out, they like Marcus Smart is out too. Um I really think next year is the Celtics year, but it's gonna be a fun series. Um for sure. Yeah, hundred percent next year is the Celtics year. I'm gonna go with a different guy for Boston. I'm gonna you guys went with the young bucks. I'm going to the other end. I'm going to Al Horford. He needs to be big on both ends for Boston. He needs to do what he can to slow Giannis down as much as possible. Giannis against the Celtics this year played all four games, and he averaged 33.5 points per game on 54% shooting. Um, So, yeah, he did whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted on the floor versus the Celtics. But that said, Al Horford has the ability to at least stay – you know, within range of him, 
But Horford also has to deliver on the offensive end as both a scorer and a playmaker if the Celtics are going to move on in this series. So I'm going to go back to you, Khan, for the next question, which is what's the um, – well, is there a key player on the the Bucks that you're really interested in? Well, yeah, so I guess it kind of ties into my match. Oh, hold on. I'm sorry. Non-Giannis. No, yeah, no, it's not. It's not. Yeah, it's, it's not. It's not Giannis, and it, <laughs> this kind of ties into my uh, matchup too. So I know okay. you're gonna ask yeah, about great. that. So I'll just Good. give both. Um, yep. I think Bledsoe needs to win the the point guard matchup between him and Razier. Um, for I mean, I th- I think they can win anyway, even if he doesn't. Uh, but I think the only way the Celtics could have a chance is if Rozier kind of goes off and Bledsoe doesn't win that matchup. Um, and I mean it. it Rozier's a great player, but I think Bledsoe definitely can play better than him. So, yeah, I think they have enough wings uh, to put on Brown and Tatum. Um, so Bledsoe is really, I think, going to that, – that matchup is going to be really crucial. Yeah, and Bledsoe had some fun against Boston. He only played in two of the games because these teams played three times very early in the season, twice in the season's first couple of weeks, and then another early game, and then – just a game about a week ago. But Blitzo in the two games, 14 out of 18 from the field against the Celtics and really kind of did you know, really whatever he wanted. Um, that's the one thing that is kind of in the Celtics kryptonite is if you get a really super athletic point guard that can break them down uh, individually, which Bledsoe can still do, that's a place where their defense can struggle at times. Pete, a key guy for the Bucks, non-Giannis. Um, I think it has to be Jabari, uh, Jabari Parker. Um, for the reason, number one, um, I think that he can kind of dominate in his matchup if he kind of can show a little bit of his athleticism um, that he had, you know, pre-second injury. Um, but I think for, for him, obviously, being a, a free agent, he's going to try to, you know, show out the best he can um, in this matchup to try to get the most money he can um, in the best opportunity uh, for next season. So that's kind of why I chose uh, Jabari. Yeah, and that's my guy. I love this guy. So I hope, you know, he stays healthy and is nothing but successful. And watching him go head-to-head with Marcus Morris off the bench is going to be a lot of fun. That Mm -hmm. is actually – I'm going to go into the matchup I'm most interested in because, you you know, you guys took the the key guys. Um, The matchup I'm most interested in is Parker versus Morris off the bench. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Those guys, I think, are going to go head-to-head quite a bit. Even if they don't guard each other, there will be the – both when they are in the game tend to be their team's primary offensive weapon. So, so I will be uh, curious to see how that one plays out because it's it's a lot of Jabari and not much else consistently off the box bench. And surprisingly, even as shorthanded as the Celtics are, I like their bench to deliver consistently more than the Bucks bench. Um, well, just because Morris, Monroe, Larkin, even Semi Ogilvy and Abdel Nader, those guys know their roles and play them very, very well. Whereas the Bucks, it's it's Jabari Parker, and then who who really knows? At least Malcolm Brogdon and Matthew Delvadova are back now, so maybe they can can do a little bit more. But uh, Con, you already gave us your matchup. Pete, is there a matchup you're looking at? Uh, for me, it's the coaches. I think Brad Stevens yeah. is going to clearly outcoach uh, Joe Prunty. Obviously, Joe Prunty, you know, has. Uh, loads of experience as an assistant, but, you know, not as a head coach, especially not, you know, come playoff time. And so I think with the combination, you know, of Brad Stevens already, you know, being a great coach and being able to change things up defensively, you know, great looks out of, you know, out of bounds plays, out of timeouts. I think that's going to be the deciding, uh, you know, 
matchup for me that's going to be the most intriguing. Yeah, so you and you kind of led into it there because that's the deciding factor for me. I think these teams are actually pretty even with Boston so banged up, but I think Stevens gives the Celtics the advantage. And I'll go ahead and give my prediction. I'm going to pick the Celtics in seven. I do think it will go seven games, but I think that ultimately Brad Stevens makes the difference for them, and that gets them the first-round win despite being so shorthanded. Con, deciding factor and prediction. Yeah, I mean, the... I know we're going non-Giannis, but the deciding factor is just going to be Giannis is otherworldly. Um, and the prediction is kind of based off that. It, I think it's going to be Bucks and six. I just think the Celtics aren't going to be able to handle Giannis. And the Celtics are also not going to be able to produce enough offense. Um, and I have some faith that the Bucks are going to put their defense together a little bit more than they have in the regular season. Just because they have the tools and they're going to be locked into all these matchups. So, yeah, Bucks and six. Pete. I've actually got the Celtics in six games. Um, I think, you know, like I said, with Brad Stevens, the um, emergence of Jalen Brown. And then I think you're also going to see, as as Con alluded to, you know, with um, Jason Tatum stepping up, I think he will step up, continue to play um, well like he did during the regular season. That's going to kind of push them forward. And if you think the Celtics winning a game six on the road in Milwaukee is a big deal, just note this. The Celtics were the only team in the NBA to have a better road record than home record this season. They were 28-13 and 13 on the road and 27-14 and 14 at home. There were a couple other teams that were even up on both sides, but they were the only team to have a better road record than home record as they were very comfortable playing games on the road. Uh, one last thing, too, for any Celtics fans out there, don't be upset. If they lose this series, it's been an incredible season with everything that's gone on. It could have been over five minutes into the year when Gordon Hayward got hurt and they you know, hung in there and battled the whole way. So, you know, just just be proud and, and happy with the effort that this team puts together. As long as they go out and give a good, solid effort for however long this series goes or however long this playoff goes, you're really kind of playing with house money at this point for the Celtics. All right, moving on to the West. This is uh, the series I think I am the least interested in. The number two seeded Golden State Warriors, 58 and 24, a precipitous drop off for them as they uh, obviously did not care for large chunks of this season about uh, winning and losing games. They are playing the San Antonio Spurs, who saw a drop off of their own, dropped down to 47 and 35 this year. Con, what they do head to head? Um, so Golden State won the matchup three to one. They had a one hundred six point seven offensive rating and ninety seven point one defensive rating. So plus nine point five. That's the second highest among the the matchups here. So Warriors. I, it, I this is I agree with you. It's not very interesting to me either. This series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that that's interesting too. That they won more with, and we know that they're a really good defensive team, but they definitely won with defense because that is a uh, you know. Um, it, Interesting. The only way I get super interested in this game is if all of a sudden game one, Kawhi Leonard rolls out there and, <laughs> you know, plays for the Spurs. All of a sudden, then my interest level gets ratcheted up, you know, uh, tenfold at least, maybe hundredfold in this one. So, um, I just, I, as much as I think the Spurs are good, I think even without Stephen Curry for the first round, it's, I'm going to get, get into the key player. I think the Warriors are going to make sure that Kevin Durant touches it 
early, often, and as much as possible. And I know some people will come back and say that's when their offense falls apart is when they do that, but that's kind of how the playoffs go. No matter what, it's not equal opportunity in the NBA playoffs as much as teams would like it to be. And I think he is going to have a monster series, and I think you know that's going to make a huge difference for the Warriors getting this win. What about you, Pete? Um, well, I actually had Durant as well, but what about, I'm just going to throw out there, what about Quinn Cook? Is, is he going to be able to make an appearance and, and show, you know, kind of what he did late in the season, just in this matchup, until Steph Curry can get back? He's going to have to, right? Because they, they're not going to go with anybody else. They're definitely, I think they'll continue to start Cook, and that leaves them with, you know, him as the starting point guard, and then Sean Livingston getting most of the backup minutes behind him. What I'm really kind of interested in is, you know, looking forward, assuming they advance, is does Cook stay in the rotation when Curry is back? Now, it's Steve Kerr, so everybody's in the rotation because everybody gets a chance to play for the Warriors. But, yeah, I like that call on Quinn Cook. Him and DeJounte Murray is going to be a nice um, you know, matchup to watch there, two, two young point guards going head-to-head as they try to pick it up. What about UConn? Who's a guy you're looking at to as kind of a key player in this series? Yeah, I think, one, I completely agree that the Spurs have no one that can guard Durant. That's why I have Rudy Gay as my Spurs key guy, just because maybe if he can do – somewhat of a defensive job on Durant. I just don't see that happening. Um, and also, I think Draymond... I think the only way it'll they'll, they'll even be a couple close games is if Draymond doesn't lock up LaMarcus and LaMarcus just kind of goes to work. Um, but I think an engaged Draymond um, on the defensive end is all the Warriors need to just easily sweep this because I think Kevin Durant is going to be able to do the rest fairly easily. All right, uh, Pete, what's the matchup you're most interested in watching on the court for these two teams? Uh, for me, it's going to be um, Draymond Green guarding uh, LaMarcus Aldridge um, for the reason being that LaMarcus Aldridge is obviously going to be the go-to guy. Will Draymond Green be able to shut down LaMarcus Aldridge? And then where where do the Spurs go from there? If LaMarcus Aldridge, say he has you know a bad game or two bad games, what – what, who are they going to run the offense through on a consistent basis? Yep. Much for me, much like the Raptors Wizards, it's the benches. And I think the Spurs bench actually has a pretty sizable advantage just because the Warriors bench is not what it has been in past years. Can tell David West, he's just about at the end of this thing. Andre Godala slipped quite a bit. Sean Livingston's not the same guy he was. Then after that, you're kind of relying on a bunch of guys who are questionable to to bring it game to game so and i think i think if the spurs can stay in games it's going to be because their bench steps up and outplays the warriors bench so that's where where i'm looking at one when both teams go to their reserve units which they both do for several minutes a game um sometimes you might even see four and five reserves out there at a time i think the spurs can really make up ground and hang in there and that's going to be important if they're going to have any shot at winning this series um which is you know Fairly minor for me um, out there. All right, Con, deciding factor in who wins and what's your prediction? Um, deci- I don't know if there is a deciding factor. <laughs> <laughs> I just have Warriors uh, in a sweep. I think the Spurs maybe can push it to five if LaMarcus goes crazy. Um, but, yeah, I-, I don't see this being a very – I don't know. Maybe I'm just underestimating the Spurs a lot here because especially just how I've been talking about this series. I just don't think the the Spurs have even – I mean, the Warriors have even tried all year. 
Um, and they're, I think they're just going to be excited to play basketball that matters. And I think they're just going to come out guns a blazing. Pete, the young fella is not respecting the San Antonio Spurs. <laughs> it would have been different if Kawhi hey, then, was in. Well, Two decades of playoff. Well, oh, if Kawhi then, was playing a core, well, they wouldn't even be in the seventh seed, right? Well, yeah, he, that's, I, I guess, around, yeah. So. All right, Pete. Also, oh, well, go ahead. Just real quick, you have to look at the defense, defensive efficiency for the Warriors because they dropped to ninth this year and they were yeah. 14th after the All-Star break. So, you know, I know at the the last ten games it was really bad, but they also didn't, you know, have some of their key guys. Um, but if the Warriors don't step it up defensively, you know, you could see the Spurs, you know, steal two games. I personally um, have my prediction four one Warriors, but I would not be shocked to see the Spurs, you know, grab two games. Yeah, it's a good point you made too, because the War- Warriors largely didn't care, you know, for the bulk of, I mean, really this entire season. You know, which is, you know, how, how they played it out. And I think they are fully, I think they're bored. I think they're, you know, three finals trips in a row. I think it's, you know, for them, it's, I think now it's time to ratchet it up. But Pete makes a good point. If they don't pick it up, San Antonio is probably the last team you want to play outside of Houston if you're not ready to go and execute defensively because they are going to take advantage of that and make you pay. I, I'm with Pete, though. I'm going to go 4-1 four, four, Warriors. I just think the Spurs are too proud to lose two games at home. I think that they will um, at least win one game at home. I guess it'd probably be game three. I think that they'll be down 2-1 and that they will, will go home. They will pick it up and they will you know, be be ready and have that place rock and, and ready to go. And I think then... Then it's probably drop a close game four, and then at that point it's you know as a well. What does Kenny Smith say? Gone, send them fishing or whatever it is. Uh, gone fishing. It'll be time to be gone fishing uh, in game five back in uh, Oracle. All right, so we are halfway through the playoff preview again. This is the NBA front off show. I'm your host Keith Smith. I'm joined by Pete Toll and Connor Rell. We are part of the Almighty Baller Podcast Network. We're going to take a short break now, and we'll get right back to you. This podcast is brought to you by ADT. When it comes to something as important as your family's safety, you need real protection with ADT. What does real protection mean for you? Well, real protection means you can get all of the latest innovation in smart home security from ADT combined with 24-7 monitoring from the most trusted name in home security. You'll get a team of professionals designing and installing a secure smart home just for you, including 18,000 employees safeguarding you and your family, along with a connection to first responders. Your secure smart home includes everything from video doorbells and indoor and outdoor cameras to smart locks and lights controlled from the ADT Go app or the sound of your voice. You can also get professionally monitored carbon monoxide and smoke detectors. Everything is custom designed to fit your home, all from the nation's number one smart home security provider. You can even get safety on the go in the car or when the kids are at school with the ADT Go app with an SOS button. Ready to learn more? Visit ADT.com backslash podcast to learn more about how ADT can design and install a secure smart home just for you. Welcome back to the NBA Front Office Show. Again, I am Keith Smith. We are part of the Almighty Baller Podcast Network. I'm joined by Pete Toll and Connorell. We're going to get right back into our NBA playoff preview. We are previewing each of the series and giving you our predictions on where we think they're going to go. We are going back to the Eastern Conference now, and we are going to look at the 3-6 series. This is one I know my buddy Pete is super excited about um, here, so we, we might have to just hand him the mic and let him go. But is the three-seeded Philadelphia 7 76ers 52 and 30 yes that is right 52 wins for philadelphia almost doubling their win total from last year i believe right or over doubling it 
It was 29 last year. 29, so yeah, almost double the win total um, from last year. Double the combined win total from the previous couple of years almost. Um, And they are playing the six-seeded Miami Heat. Miami went out and won a game in overtime uh, to move up to the sixth seed on the final night of the regular season as they beat the Toronto Raptors. Uh, This is is probably a... For me, maybe the one of the more interesting series on the board. I, I it's it's Philly is so young, and young teams generally do not win their first time through the playoffs. And Miami's a tough matchup for a young team because Miami executes at such a high level with everything they do on both ends of the floor. And Philly, they, right now, I mean, it should be noted too: sixteen wins going into. To, to the playoffs, the straight wins that is, um, just just ridiculous the way they closed the season. They were they were what thirty six and thirty um, at one point, looking like they were definitely going to be a playoff team, but probably in the seven eight seed. And they pushed it hard all the way down the stretch for the final month or so of the year. Uh, Con, what did these guys do head to head this year? Uh, so this was also an even regular season series, two and two. Um, the Sixers. Point differential offensive rating was 101.0 and defensive rating was 102.7 so negative 1.7 so Miami had the edge there but I mean it was a pretty even series throughout yeah. All right. So one thing to note too, I think that is important. Like a lot of young teams, Philly was excellent at home, thirty and eleven at home this season. Only twenty two and nineteen on the road, so that's a uh, pretty pretty good drop off there. Twenty two and nineteen is nothing to be ashamed of, but they they were much better at home than they were on the road. So that's something to watch for as we get into it. All right, Pete, I'm going to let you go. I know you're being patient over there, and you <laughs> these these are your guys. So mm-hmm. tell us who is the key guy for Philadelphia to watch in this first postseason run in quite some time uh for me it's going to be ben simmons how what it what is miami going to be able to do to stop him from getting inside the paint um and scoring at will whether it you know or getting in the paint whether it's scoring um at will or you know making easy assists for other guys um on the perimeter or getting it to the to the big feller uh down low and joel Embiid. who do you put simmons on who's he gonna guard Ooh, um Hmm. Let, let's assume Embiid is back. So Embiid and Whiteside are going to go head to head. I assume uh, Sharks guards uh, um, will we'll end up picking up and guarding um, James, Johnson, James Johnson, right? right. So then that that leaves Covington, Reddick, and Simmons for Richardson. Winslow. Uh, Winslow. Is Winslow off the bench? Yeah, Winslow's been coming off the bench. So it's yeah. Richardson, Dragic, and Tyler Johnson. I would say he he takes probably Richardson. Just yeah, that would be Richardson my guess. Has, has yeah. the ability to he's shown some flashes to be able to score. Okay, all right. So Ben Simmons, what about UConn? Who's your key guy for Philly? Um, well, I don't want to say Simmons or Embiid. I, yeah. <laughs> I think I think it's gonna be um, Markel Fultz off the bench. See if he. Okay. I think if I think that's gonna be big for. Philly, maybe like I, I have, I think Philly's has the upper edge here anyway. But I think if Fultz really keeps on improving his play, like he's been doing every game uh, since he's been back, I think it'll make Philly's job a lot easier in the first round and and going forward too. Um, and I mean, he's a starting caliber point guard. If he had played all year, I don't think that would have been a question. Um, and if he is a starting caliber point guard off the bench that that's going to really help help Philly. 
Con, did you when you said Marco Fultz, did you see how big Pete's smile was? Oh, I have the whole hey, room. I have all my hey, stats. That triple up. double to close the year, though. So <laughs> no, I mean, hey man, you you should hey. be smiling. And you know what? Good for Marco Fultz. He uh, he's hey, been so good. I'm so happy for this kid. Yo, and that like you said, that triple double to close youngest player ever with a triple double. Yeah. Um, did you know? Just you know, great. It's I, I'll tell you, I'm I'm shocked he's back and playing. Um, I I didn't think that they would put him in. I just thought that they would say things are going too good for us. We we can't risk you know messing this up. And and you know he's going to be a difference maker because they can struggle at times, scrape points on that second unit because Bellinelli and Ilyasova have made a huge difference as far as shooters, but they don't create any offense themselves. And Fultz now gives them a guy who can break defensive down defenses down and make make plays himself. I'm going to go to the other side of the floor and give you my key guy, and it's Goran Dragic. Because they don't, Philly doesn't have a great guy to guard him. It's, and I don't think Covington and Reddick are not the guys you want covering Dragic. I think probably their best defender on him might be TJ McConnell. Um, Simmons is, for all that he's a, been a fantastic point guard on offense, he's not one on the defensive end. And he does, they generate, he, they, I don't know if you guys saw this, but he's the only player in the NBA to spend like 25% of his time guarding one through four evenly um, almost, which is kind of, kind of crazy, but it's, he just, he doesn't do as good against point guards as you he does. So I think Dragic has an opportunity here to play a huge role in this series and really put some points on the board and put a lot of pressure on, on Philly. So I'm going with Goran Dragic as my guy in my, that's my, also my matchup that I'm most interested in is him Actually, I lied. The matchup I'm most interested in is Joel Embiid against Hassan Whiteside because those guys hate each other. Um, so I think that's the you know, uh, thank God. I just hope Embiid can can get back and be be on the floor. And it, look, I mean, reward was he wanted to play um, down the stretch in the regular season, and he feels like he's ready. So so hopefully he's on the floor. All right, Pete, what is the matchup you're most interested in? Uh, same as you just said, but I'm I'm kind of interested not only on the floor, but I want to see what Joel Embiid has to say <laughs> once social media comes in after the after the game, because um, Hassan Whiteside's been you know com- kind of complaining to the media you know lately about his role, and you know I, I'm curious to see if if Embiid dominates him you know throughout the series. Really, what's going to be said? Um, it's very funny. All these guys, a lot of these guys, go dark on social media in the playoffs. I feel like Embiid's going to go the other way and amp it exactly. up. You know, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> go after. All right, Tom. What's your your most interesting matchup? Um, I think it's going to be uh, Covington and Winslow. I think just those wings going, uh, kind of going against each other there. See who Winslow been Winslow has been playing well this year. Um, and obviously Covington does what he does, but I think if that matchup, if Winslow can really attack attack Covington, um, that's gonna help the Heat a lot. And I guess I'll just yeah, no, I, I like it. Yeah, go ahead. Oh no, I just was gonna go into my prediction. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, go into your prediction, man. That's fine. Um, I have Philly in five. Actually, I think. Whoa. Yeah, I I just think Philly is. I don't know. I think they're really good. I think Embiid is going to have a monster series if he comes back. Obviously, I think if Embiid doesn't come back, then it it might go to six or seven. Um, I think if Embiid starts the series, um, I think it goes goes five. 
I can't imagine there's any way he's not back. Maybe he misses game one and game two at the very most, but I would imagine he's back. I mean, he's hanging out. He's on the bench, you know, during these games and those things. So he's got to be really, really close. Pete, I'm going to let you close it. So I'm going to give you, give my my thing here. One thing to watch out for is Eric Spolster versus Brett Brown. Now, Brett Brown, I'm very happy Philly stuck with him and hung in there and let him, you know, really reap the ultimate payoff of, you know, being the guy from from the start of the process all the way through. But Spolster is one of the best coaches in the NBA, and he can drop a game plan. He is going to make them hit shots to beat them, and they're going to have to figure out a way to generate enough offense against what has been generated a really good Miami defense. So so that's gonna be that's gonna be a deciding factor, but I am gonna go with the Sixers. I'm gonna go with Sixers in seven though. I think Miami's gonna make them earn it, but I think game seven back in Philly with that crowd's gonna be absolutely bananas. I just think they're gonna push the Sixers to where they need to be to get that that win in the seventh game. All right, Pete, it's all you now. Close us out on this one. All right, so for me, the deciding factor is going to be who comes up big in the clutch because um, since February, the Sixers have gone 11-3 and three, um, in clutch situations. And for those who, you know, aren't, you know, huge basketball nerds that are just listening casually, that means the score is within five points with five minutes to play. Um, and then the um, Miami Heat have gone 7-12 and 12 in those same situations. And early in the season, the Sixers couldn't close a game to save their lives. Um, so I'm hoping we get the 11-3 the and three clutch situation Sixers um, in this case. And I kind of had to question myself as a Sixers fan when Khan said um, it would be five games because I was like, wow, who's the Sixers fan here? Because I have them <laughs> um, winning in six games. I think that uh, Drogic um, and, and um, the brothers Johnson, so to speak, are going to um, you know, have a couple good games and, and you know, kind of catch the Sixers off guard. And, and I think in one of those losses, I think Embiid's not going to play. Um, I don't think, personally, he plays maybe in the first two games. Um, and then from there, um, you know, he's he's good, you know, throughout the playoffs. But 4-2, um, Sixers take it. Before we jump to the next series, you're, you, as we said here multiple times, you're the Sixers guy. If they lose this series, are you – where are you at? Are you are you disappointed? Or are you do you still feel like the season was a big success? I f- I feel like obviously you know winning you know as many games as they have this season is a success for me personally as a Sixers fan coming off the Eagles winning the Super Bowl I'm going to be disappointed um, and I did have to throw that out there because you are the the Patriots yeah hit the guy, so con I, edit I, all I, of that yeah. <laughs> um, so. Um, you know, I would obviously love to see the see the Sixers get as far as possible, but if they do happen to lose to Miami, I'm not I'm not going to be, you know, heartbroken. I think it's been a fantastic season for for where they've come from. Yeah, you know, I'm obviously independent and don't 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 care one way or the other, but but I'm with you. I feel like the season's been a huge success no matter what for them. But it is I'm starting to see a little bit of buzz of people saying, well, they they have to win at least this series. And I wonder if this 16 game winning streak has put a little more pressure on them. I think if they'd gone in as the sixth, seventh, or eighth seed, they would have been like, hey, whatever, we're 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 at. not that the players would have played that way, but I think the fans would have been like, we're in the playoffs. Like that's where we want to be. That's where we are. Now I think there's an expectation of you better win at least a round right and I think people get a little carried away with that 16 game winning streak because you know it really wasn't against you know great 
Yeah, I think um, only three teams with winning yeah, records or something like that. Yeah, three teams out of the like 16 opponents yeah. you know, are, are in the playoffs. Yeah. So, so, you know. All right, all right. Well, so we all got Philly moving on. Uh, so far, I think we're – yeah, we all on the same page minus the the – no, Con, you picked the Bucks, right? Yeah, yeah, he had the Bucks, and okay. yeah, he was opposite. And, and you had the Wizards as well. Yep. So, yep. all right, so so we know Con's wrong. Okay, well, <laughs> let's, let's jump over to the West. Portland Trailblazers. They locked up the three seed by beating the Utah Jazz in the final night of the season, forty nine and thirty three for Portland. They're going to play the New Orleans Pelicans, finished in the six seed, just a game behind Portland, forty eight and thirty four. As the Western Conference was really jumbled, with three through really nine, only three games separate. Portland to Denver uh, West. Uh, Com, what they do head to head? They were two and two and tied at zero net rating. I didn't write the offensive and defensive writing down because they were. Holy cow! So zero. They, yeah, it was like, zero. Even up. Yeah. Wow. Okay. All right. Um, so with this one, I will go first on this one. I, I'm just going to, in general, say this. I think Portland is the most interesting team in the Western Conference that could potentially throw a wrench in the Golden State. Uh, Houston matchup we're all looking forward to seeing in the Western Conference Finals. Not that I think they will, but I think that they could. Um, and that is on the strength of their their guards. It's Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. They're the key players for the Blazers. They're, they are their do-everything guys. They are, in my opinion, they are the hardest to guard backcourt in the NBA non-Harden-Paul division um, just because that's how good those two are. They are just so tricky. They make a lot of plays. They For, for all three of us are East Coast guys, and they are worth staying up to watch at 1030 at night. They're a lot of fun. Um, out there um, for for me, they're the key guys. Key guy on the New Orleans side, it's obviously Anthony Davis. So not, nobody's allowed to pick him. So um, non-Anthony Davis group, I'm going to go with Nikola Mirotic. They need him to have a big, big series if they're going to have any chance in winning this one. And I think that they have a chance to keep it close at least. All right, Con, who are your, who's your key guy in this series for either team? Well, you stole Mirotic from the Pelicans. <laughs> <laughs> and you it, had to know being the Bulls guy he was yeah, going to pick just, Yeah. Oh, Oh man, sorry, Con. No, no. I, yeah, I snaked it, you on that one. No, it's all. I mean, he's just really streaky. And if you get good yeah. Miritich, it's going to be a close series. If you get bad Miritich, I mean, they still have AD and Drew Holiday, but it's going to be tougher. And and you could get you could get good Miritich in the first half and bad Miritich yeah, in the second yeah, yeah, half. Exactly. And, you know, quarter to quarter, shot to shot, like this. Yeah, he. The thing I love though is this guy's never changed. Like he is the most. He might be the most unconscious shooter in the entire NBA oh, because yeah. it's who cares what it's everybody wants to throw that on Nick Young, but Miritich will miss 10 in a row and then he'll take a 40 footer with a hand in his face <laughs> just because. So, all right, Connor, I cut you off. Keep going. No, no, it's all good. Um, and then I have uh, Nurkic on the on the Blazers, and this I have Nurkic because I mean, can he guard Anthony Davis? Uh, like, if can he stay on the floor because. Obviously, AD. No. Yeah, I mean, he's not going to be able to. I just think it's it's a matter of how bad it gets because yeah. um, if a like if Anthony Davis is just like historic, that's that's how the Pelicans are going. I mean, that's kind of deciding factor topic, but that's the only way the Pelicans are going to win. And Nurkic can either slow that down or let it happen. I feel like so. I think that's why Nurkic is the key for the Blazers. All right, Pete. Um, for me, it's it was Miritich, but I also um, had a 1B in Drew Holiday um, because I feel like with him playing the off-guard position, it kind of takes the distributing or leaves the distributing 
to uh, Rajon Rondo. Um, so I think that's going to be a, a deciding factor on the Pelican side. But with Portland, you also have to look at a guy like Evan Turner. What can he do as far as facilitating to be able to open up, you know, open shots for Damian Lillard on, you know, the perimeter or, you know, at least getting him the ball in situations where he can, you know, catch it and drive. Same thing with um, C.J. McCollum. Yeah, no, for sure. And that's um, – I'm glad you said Turner. So I'm going to go into that one because the – outside of, like, the, obviously the backcourt against the backcourt and Davis against Nurkic, the matchup I'm most, most interested in is Evan Turner against each one more. I think that Turner has the ability – to take more down inside and make a lot of plays against him down in that mid post area. That's where Turner's at his best. And those two guys are definitely going to be going head to head. Cause he, I'm not sure if Mo Harkless will be back or not. And even if he is, I'm not sure if they put him back in the starting lineup right away. And even if that does happen, you're still going to get Turner against more on at least a somewhat regular basis. So I think this is, this is a matchup where Evan Turner can really do some stuff and not be relegated just to standing in the corner where he's a completely useless basketball player because he can't hit jump shots, you know, outside of the you know ten to fifteen foot um, area. So I, that's that's the matchup I'm I'm really looking at. All right, I'm gonna Pete. I'm gonna go right back to you. Deciding factor in who wins this series. Um, I think for me, um, for it, I'm gonna go ahead and, and do my. Um, Prediction in the same Yeah, just go right in your prediction anyway. after you give it up. Okay. Yep. Um, so for me, um, I've got uh, Portland winning uh, four to three. The deciding factor, I think, is Yusuf Nurkic. I think if he can defend um, Anthony Davis well enough to kind of keep him somewhere in the twenty to you know twenty five, twenty six range, and then put up fifteen points himself, um, you know, with maybe eight rebounds, you know, 10, you know, rebounds, something like that, you know, get quality production, um, then that's going to be the difference for Portland pulling it off. Isn't it kind of comical that we're saying if Nurkic can just be only negative 10 in his head-to-head matchup, we feel, you know, pretty good about it. I mean, that's just, you know, Anthony Davis is so good. We're, we're not doing an awards podcast here. He'd be three for me on my award uh, MVP voting behind Harden and LeBron James. He's just been ridiculous um, all season. And, good, you know, good good to see. I know they lost lost Boogie Cousins, and that's a huge loss for them as far as where they went. But good to see AD stay healthy most of the year. Good to see Drew Holiday healthy um, all season long. And those two guys, you know, playing well and getting the Pelicans really back to the playoffs. When I think a lot of folks, we, I know I was kind of doubt on them after Cousins got hurt. I wasn't sure what they'd be. All right, Colin, deciding factor and who wins and what's how many games? Yeah, so I kind of gave my deciding factor in terms of whether or not AD is going to be historic. Yep. <laughs> um, and I think even if he is, it'll be tough. Uh, for the Pelicans to win. I also have Portland in seven um, for that reason. And this is a series that sucks for the Pelicans not to have Boogie because if I remember, I was checking the stats and Boogie had like th- averaging 33 um, against uh, the the Portland Trailblazers. And yeah, it's just going to be Anthony Davis. And I'm also curious to see how well Etwan Moore guards uh, CJ McCollum. I think that's going to be a, a nice matchup within the series as well. But Portland in seven. Yeah, that is going to be really uh, 
curious to see how that goes. My deciding factor is can New Orleans shoot it well enough and stay in the games offensively against Portland. I am also going Portland in seven, so we're all in agreement on this one. I just think it's going to be – I think it's going to be one of those where Davis is so good. You're going to – you might see Anthony Davis average like 40-20 for the series, I think think if they if they're gonna even get it to a seventh game, he's gonna have to be at that level of, you know, great play um on the the, the court for the uh for the the Pelicans to get them them there. And I, I think that's in play, which is you know in itself kind of ridiculous. All right, moving back to these final series in the Eastern Conference is the Cleveland Cavaliers fifty and thirty two, the number four seed against and do you guys disagree? The surprise of the NBA, the Indiana Pacers, 48 and 34, the number five seed. See, it feels like they've had the five seed locked up for a couple of weeks now. I felt like that's where they were kind of sitting in that spot for some time. But that is uh, where where it goes. Um, but with this one, Con, what they do head to head? So Pacers actually won three to one. Um, their offensive rating of 109.2, defensive rating 105.1, so pl- uh, plus 4.1 net rating uh, for the Pacers. Um, and I guess I'll just go right into... <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Um, this one is another... I know the Pacers won the season series. I just don't see LeBron losing more than a game <laughs> um, in the first round. I think LeBron's just too good i think kevin loves being back now is big for them and yeah the team might have struggled they might be 29th at defense and all that um i just don't think it's gonna matter much the pacers are a great team this isn't really again anything against the pacers because i think everyone besides maybe like um philly or the a healthy celtics uh the Cavs would would maybe struggle against but yeah i think it i think the uh, lebron is just too good and he's gonna do a lot of work in this series all right con so did you just go straight to your prediction caps four games to one (laughs) sorry i just i just this series yeah i don't know the Cavs against the pacers i yeah i guess i did on this sounds like you're probably least interested in this one as far as no i actually really like oladipo i predicted him for most improved before the year i i i thought he would have that like paul george jimmy butler type nice player to star season so i'm kind of happy that i was validated with that but uh, i don't think oladipo is going to be enough um to, to matter here i'm just impressed that i feel like you looked at the clock on the recording and said we're over an hour i'm jumping <laughs> right to my prediction and went right into producer mode i'm, I'm pretty impressed uh with that one so uh you know all right pete give us a key player non-lebron james and non-victor oladipo because those are obviously the two big guys for for either side. So give me somebody else. Are we going to see Miles Turner um, of last year versus this year? I know this year he struggled mightily. Um, is he going to be able to kind of hit um, you know deep twos? You know, be able to get easy buckets inside, grab some rebounds, things like that, to be able to counter the onslaught of Kevin Love. That that's the big question for the what you know what can the Pacers do there. Um, and, and I'm just going to go ahead and, and kind of take the con route and shorten it on on my side for um, the deciding factor is going to be um, will the um, the Cavs actually be able to play enough defense to stop Oladipo, Bogdanovich, Turner, you know, those guys from scoring, or are we going to see the, the pitiful defense um, that, you know, that the Cavs have um, displayed for most of the season? 
Um, and I, you know, I don't see, like Han said, anybody, you know, really, t- especially not in the first round. I don't see LeBron, you know, losing, but I think that Indiana will give a fight. I think it's 4 2 um, Cavs. Yeah, and it's one of those, you know, where some people have suggested the Cavs are in the fourth seed. They're vulnerable. Well, the Cavs don't, they, as much as even the Warriors, they didn't care about their seed. It didn't matter to them. You know, I think that they're, you know, perfectly comfortable to play, you know, whoever, whenever. I mean, they came back from 3-1 down a couple of years ago. Now I realize it's a different team, and, you know, it's it's really LeBron and J.R. Smith and Kevin Love left from that group. But the, the, when those are your three, three guys that are in the locker room, they've been there, done that, you're not going to worry about it too much. So I'm kind of with you guys. This one, though, I think it's going to be a bunch of high-scoring games just because Cleveland's defense sucks, and I don't think Indiana can slow down LeBron. So I think, you know, I'm not, I, as I have been fond of saying for months now, I am dumb, but I am not dumb enough to pick against LeBron James, and I will not do that. That said, I think this one's going seven. I think the Cavs' defense is so bad that the Pacers, the Pacers are also uniquely poised to take advantage of it. They have a bunch of guys who can do a lot of different things and make them really work. They can throw multiple ball handlers at them on each possession, whether it be Oladipo or Collison or Corey Joseph off the bench or even Boyan Bogdanovich. Those guys can all handle the ball. Lance Stevenson, they can do a bunch of different things. They're going to make the Cavs really defend, and I don't think the Cavs want to defend. And I think that's where they're going to have some struggles. But uh, you know, I'm with you guys. I just think it's going to go seven, and I think it's going to be one of those games, though, or series, it goes seven, but it actually ends up serving the Cavaliers really well in the long run. Um, All right, so we are going now into our final first round series, and this is back to the Western Conference. This is the 4-5 matchup, the Oklahoma City Thunder, 48-34, hosting the Utah Jazz, 48-34. Oklahoma City gets the tiebreaker by virtue of uh, winning the three-way tie with the Jazz and the Pelicans. Con, what they do head-to-head? So OKC won the season series 3-1 to one, uh, with a 105.7 offensive rating and 95.7 defensive rating. And actually, this is the third most lopsided matchup with a plus 10 net rating towards the OKC Thunder. But they haven't played since December 23rd, so this was before Utah went on their crazy surge and Gobert was hurt. And also, Robertson was still playing for the OKC Thunder, so I don't know how much the regular season series is going to matter going into this this matchup yeah that and, and i hate when the league does that it's when you have it so series are over you know before christmas like that's just you know i don't know that's not not good and these two teams are in the same division too so you really shouldn't be done right yeah they're both in the north northwest division so you really shouldn't be done with divisional games you know that early in the season but all right it, it is what it is uh pete so you uh, again i'm gonna put some stipulations on this for a key guy it can't be russell westbrook because uh, we always know he's the key guy for the thunder so give me another key guy for either the jazz and you know you can't pick donovan mitchell either for the jazz right, right. so it's you got to go somewhere else for either one of these teams uh, well, obviously for the Jazz, it's going to be Rudy Gobert because on defense, I mean, he's a monster. Um, and then on OKC side, I've got to go with um, – I, I really want to see what the heck Carmelo Anthony is going to do. Can he do something this season? Because he has looked just bad all season. Is he going to be able to step up with Paul George kind of having that struggling um, you know, three-point shot, um, especially to you know, end the year? Um, so I don't know. I think that, you know, with 
you know, like Han touched on, you know, you can't really judge it off of the regular season matchup. Yes, the Jazz kind of had that, you know, Cinderella run. But it also isn't the greatest matchup for them either because they really, I think, wanted to see New Orleans more than they wanted to see OKC. But I'll let you guys go before I, you know, give my predictions and all that good stuff. Yeah, I'm going to go with the key guy for the Jazz. I'm going to go against the guy you mentioned, and that's Carmelo, the guy he's probably going to have to handle most of the time, and that's Derek Favors. I think Favors can get down inside and just destroy Carmelo on the block. And I think that's what we're going to see. The Jazz are probably the team that executes, again, outside of Houston at the highest level. Um, It doesn't look like it sometimes because they play at such a slow pace, but they are very deliberate. They get the shots they want on almost every possession. That's only been heightened by the fact that Ricky Rubio is a good creator for others, and then Donovan Mitchell can bail them out. And then Joe Ingles, really good ball mover, smart smart player, better at getting his own shot than people think. So I think Quinn Snyder is going to put them in position to repeatedly get it to favors and just punish Anthony and it's to the point where he might play him off the floor entirely and they may end up having to go to Jeremy Grant I'm going to make a prediction that I think this is the series you know how coaches they they get a couple games into the play they'll run a lineup out there for 82 games and then in the loose first game of the first round and then they change up their lineup I think Carmelo Anthony is benched by the end of this series, probably early on, a couple games in, and you're going to start, I think Jeremy Grant is going to start for the Thunder to give them that energy and defense against Derek Favors. I think Favors is going to play that big against Carmelo Anthony. Con, what about you? Where are you going in this one, Utah, Oklahoma City? Well, this is actually uh, the one, the series I'm looking most forward to. Uh, And here, I mean, I don't want to, say Melo again I just want to go off of what you just said about Melo maybe being benched I think it'd be interesting to just play kind of a five out type lineup um, with Melo and Grant at the four five um, and just see just make uh, Gobert have to come out Uh, I know the Jazz play like drop Gobert and he always stays by the rim but if if OKC can find a way to play five out that would really help Russell if you can pull Gobert um, outside of the lane. And also, Paul jo- playoff Paul George is another animal. Um, and if, if he can get to that level again um, this postseason, like he has most postseasons, um, this is going to be a really, really fun matchup. Um, and I'm really excited to see if Mitchell can uh, continue what he's been doing in the playoffs. That uh, ability to go five out, as you said, that's where Patrick Patterson has a chance to be huge. He hasn't had a great year for OKC, but he is a proven veteran. We know what he can do. If you can get him in there at the five and trust him, he played the five a lot for Toronto behind uh, Jonas Valanciunas. So, you know, we could definitely see him, um, you know, be in there making plays. All right, Pete, I'm going to go to you. Who wins and why? I have Utah – winning and I have them winning in seven games. I think that Utah's ability to defend, um, you know, across the board is going to be able to make up for, you know, the big runs that Russell Westbrook has. I don't think that, um, I know, um, Con, you just mentioned that, you know, Paul George is another animal. I think he, that, you know, his shooting woes are going to linger into the playoffs um, and then Russ is going to do his normal thing where he feels like he has to take the world on his shoulders. And he's going to have some in-game uncontrollable shots. And that's going to, you know, prove costly against the upper echelon defensive team like the Jazz. All right, Con, what's your pick? 
Um, I think it's going to be OKC uh, in six. I, I just think OKC is still talent-wise and just what they can do, what the, the players that they can throw. I think Adams is a monster, too. We didn't even mention Adams yet. Um, it, him and him and Adams was actually my matchup uh, that I was going <laughs> to mention if you, if you asked me for the matchup. But, um, yeah, I think OKC is just when they ratchet it up. I mean, we've seen what they can do against Houston. We've seen them blow out Golden State when Golden State was trying and healthy um, or at least what amounts of trying for them in the regular season. And I just think it, it's going to be too much for Utah to handle, especially because they rely on Donovan Mitchell to lead them in scoring. Um, I think it's going to be a really fun series, though, and I'm, I kind of want Utah to win. If you were to ask me, like, who would I prefer to win, um, I just think OKC is going to take care of business here. So sneaky big storyline, Corey Brewer is hurt for the the Thunder, and they don't have much at the shooting guard spot. It sounds like he's going to try to give it a go, and they really need him to help try to slow down Donovan Mitchell because they just they, they've got nobody else that they can throw at him. Terrence Ferguson's not ready for that. Alex Abrinas isn't good enough for it, and uh, that probably he's at that point. You're talking Raymond Felton maybe, Houston. and I'm not sure that he's ready to do that. Yeah, he sucks though, so it's not going to be him. <laughs> I, mean, um, you know, I mean, defensively, defensively he could, but defensively. That you can provide know. value, I feel like. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I, I don't know. I think if that's where you're at. All right, I'm going to give you my pick. I'm going with Utah in six, and I think it's when they get at home and they have a chance to close it out. That is arguably the best home crowd in the entire NBA, and I think that they will close out the Thunder, and I think it is going to – they're going to close them out with the Thunder with this whole thing falling apart in spectacular fashion. I already mentioned I think that there's a potential. My prediction is Carmelo Anthony is benched. Um, not that he doesn't play, but that he is coming off the bench by the end of this series. And I think it blows up on them. And Paul George walks out of town this summer and, you know, not even walks, he runs out of town the minute they lose that game six in Utah. So that is my pick there for the Utah Jazz. All right, we are through the first round. Now we're going to give you kind of lightning speed. Pete, what is your Eastern Conference Finals matchup and who wins and why? All right, you're going to like, you're probably not like me for this one, Keith, but I've I've got the Sixers moving on against the, um, the Celtics, and then the um, Raptors narrowly, narrowly beating the Cavs in a right. huge upset. Um, and I think that when the the Raptors and Sixers match up, you know, everybody is is going to be you know excited in Canada. Everybody's going to be excited in Philly because they're going to look at you know the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Let's repeat with this, you know, with the Sixers. I actually have the Raptors beating the Sixers in seven games to make uh, the NBA Finals. Ericom, what's your Eastern Conference pick? Well, since I have Toronto losing in the first round, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I, I have Philly uh, versus the Cavs um, in, the fi- in the Eastern Conference Finals, and I just think LeBron does it again. I think Philly is next up, though, along with Boston. Um, if I were to go further, I don't think I don't know if LeBron's making more title runs in the Eastern Conference. Uh, but yeah, right now I think he's going to get to the finals for the, this is his eighth, right? Yeah. His eighth yeah. straight season. All right. I am going with the Cavaliers and the Celtics. 
in the Eastern Conference Finals. I think the Celtics just squeaked by. Philly, I think Philly getting around is huge for them being such a young team. Young teams do not win their first time through the playoffs. They generally have to take their lumps a year. So I think them getting that win. I think Boston will have just enough left. But then I think the Cavs are just going to blow right through what's probably left of the Celtics at that point. Uh, maybe Boston can get a game or two off them. I'm putting the Cavaliers back into the um, NBA Finals once again. Like I said, I will not pick against LeBron James until he proves that there is a reason to pick against him in the playoffs. All right, in the Western Conference, I'm going It's Golden State and Houston. We all want it. I think we're going to get it. And I'm going to go with the Warriors. They should be healthy by then. If, they, if they're missing anybody, Curry, Thompson, Green, Durant, anyone, I'm picking the Rockets. It's that close to me. I think it goes seven. I have said consistently there is a path for Houston to even win this against a healthy Warriors squad. They have a couple games where they make 15, 18 three-pointers. Harden wins a game almost all by himself with a 50-point game or so. Now you're in a game seven where anything can happen. That said, I think the Warriors, are they're, they're the champs. They're still, to me, the best team in the NBA when they care enough to be the best team in the NBA. And I have them going back to the NBA Finals. Yes, that is right. I picked Warriors and Cavaliers for a fourth straight year. Call it boring, but I have no reason yet to believe that that's not what we're going to get. Con, what is your Western Conference Finals? Yeah, sorry, I'm not going to come with the fireworks like I did with the Wizards pick. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, it's it's going to be, I mean, the Rockets and Warriors have been levels ahead of, I mean, I guess the Warriors have been levels ahead of everyone, but they just are when they want to play and try. And the Rockets have been way too good this season, and I think they just Harden and Chris Ball have too much on their shoulders to, to let it go and not make the conference finals again. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go with the Warriors and Cavs in the finals again. Um, except it's going to be a bit more interesting, the path there, instead of uh, just two sweeps on either side of the bracket. All right, Pete, you already put the Raptors in the finals. Who are they going to be playing? They're going to be playing the Rockets, who defeat the Warriors in seven games. I think that James Harden in that deciding game is the one that wills them to the win. They end up playing the Raptors and beat the Raptors in the NBA Finals four games to one. So... Um, we'll see the Rockets as NBA champions again. Um, yeah, I know they were champions back in, uh, what, 93, 94, 94, 95? Uh, yes. Is this when they repeated. Yep. So, yep. Yeah, while Michael Jordan took, took some time off. Yeah, yeah, let's put you that disclaimer in there. I mean, Akeem Olajuwon was ridiculous back then and completely unstoppable. Although, God, if John Starks could have hit a couple shots, the Knicks yeah, would have got one. All right, Con, what's your NBA Finals pick? I have the Warriors beating the Cavs and two beating. I just think Curry and Durant um, are too much for anyone to handle. And then you add Draymond and Clay, um, so it's it's nothing new, uh, sadly. But the 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 process and the is is what's fun about the NBA, right? So, yeah, Warriors. <laughs> I'm gonna go Warriors in five again. All right, and I am with Khan. I'm also picking the Warriors, but I'm picking them in four. I think that they, unless they want the gentleman sweep where they want to close it out at home in front of their home fans, I think that they blow the 
doors off the Cleveland Cavaliers. I don't think it's a series. I think the Warriors average 120 points per game or so, and the, the Cavs just have nothing for them. And I think this is the final season of LeBron James in Cleveland. I don't know where he's going, but I think you're going to see him walk away and look to do his thing somewhere else next season. So we're all on record. Con and I both have Warriors over Cavaliers. Pete has Rockets over Raptors. It is time. It's playoff time, fellas. It's uh, we're a couple couple days out here. You know, super excited. These these uh, first two weekends of the playoffs are two of my favorite weekends of sports. You know, you're you're guaranteed having four um, good games each of the first two days, and then generally, you know, hopefully, you know, you're into some good game game fours on the uh, second weekend as it comes through. It's just always a lot of fun, and it's uh, you know, one of those where it's uh, see you later, family. I'll talk to you on Monday. <laughs> you know, when I get well, when uh, when we get back home, but I'm gonna be in, on the couch in front of the TV. It's just two two great weekends of basketball. You're you know guaranteed. Very rare that you're guaranteed eight eight basketball games each weekend in their own individual window where you can really focus in and lock in. And that's one of the things I enjoy most because other than covering the Celtics, it's pretty rare when I can lock into just one game at a time, and I really enjoy that. So, all right, Pete, tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at, at Pete Toll NBA. So it's P E T E T O A L M B A. All right. And Con. Yeah, I'm at Con B A underscore M T D. And also follow at the Bench Mob NBA. That's my other podcast um, where we will also have some playoff previews and we have people around the country that root for each team. So we'll get fans' perspective on more than just Philly here. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the bench the bench mob with its 93 co-hosts um boy there so no you guys do a great job over there you can find me on twitter at keith smith nba you can follow the show on twitter at front office show um we also had come what's the email for the show uh it's front office show at gmail.com yeah, frontoffshow at gmail.com. That's pretty easy to follow if you get any feedback for us, anything you'd like to say, or if you just want to yell at us for picking against your team or maybe picking your team and feel like we're jinxing them or anything like that, you know, shoot us an email there. And I'm going to implore everyone who is listening, please go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating and review. It would really help out the show a lot. If you you know, enjoy our content, help, help spread the word, the best way to do that is give us ratings and reviews. And then uh, obviously tell a friend and let them know. Beyond on that we will be back at you soon with closing out our free agent previews of probably pete and i as con is he's a busy guy so he's going to step back into the producer only role for a little bit here um but we'll resurrect him from time and again when we need an opinion on something maybe chicago bulls related um and then we are going to do some off-season previews we're in the process of getting those lined up and for those it'll be myself with a team expert um someone who really knows their teams inside now and if you listen to the ones we did last summer it is us getting really really deep into every single guy on the roster who can and you know maybe moved and free agents and trades and uh looks like unfortunately a lot of coaching vacancies to potentially talk about as well as uh that process has started so look for all that coming soon your way but for now enjoy the nba playoffs starting up this weekend we are definitely excited for those and we will talk to you next time here on the nba front office show part of the almighty baller podcast network
Are your feet wet? My feet are wet. Here's the drain plug. You put the plug in the drain, right? Ah, uh, it's on the dock. There's a reason they say curse like a sailor. Ah, Many reasons. Progressive's boat insurance has you covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. And now, an ad from Dad. Save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Yeah. Tell you another way to save money. Don't buy those uh, expensive coffees every morning, you know. Then you can save up for a, I don't know, really nice dress shirt. I'm just saying. It's great that you feel comfortable here at work, but, you know, an adult could walk in. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.